right. It's the Roller Around the World show, talking vintage baseball, coast to coast, border to border, uh, as we've done for so many episodes now. We're in like the two, I don't know, two twenties or something. Uh, but tonight, it's not vintage baseball. It depends on how you look at it, actually. What's what's one man's vintage is another man's retro. That's what I found out. Uh, but a familiar guest on the show tonight as if you go back in the archives, way back in the archives of the Roller Out the Barrel show, you'll see a Roller Out the Barrel Extra number five in April of 2020. That's a long time ago. That's right as COVID is going crazy. Uh, my guest then was on the show talking about a book he was in the process of writing and putting together. And here we are over three years later, and that book is done. And now we should all buy it. But before we do, let's talk to him uh, about the process, about the subject matter, about stand-up comedy. We're going to talk all that stuff with the author of the book, Called Up. It's Zach Ford. Zach, how you doing? I'm doing great, Matt. Thank you very much for having me today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for keeping your promise and saying that you'd be more than happy to come back on the show once the book was done. And here you are. <laughs> Some people keep their promises. I'm here. Uh, I told you... Before we started recording, I had my first question already lined up. It's been a question I've been waiting to ask for two and a half years. Maybe. Yeah. My my question is this, Zach. Did you ever talk to Chili Davis? I didn't talk to Chili Davis, <sighs> no. Yeah. Oh. First question, huh? I let you down. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, I was hoping for you. Uh, Chili Davis is your favorite player. Chili Davis was my first boyhood favorite ball player. Yeah. And you didn't talk. Just uh, you didn't get to talk to anybody along this long journey of this book you had. And when you were done talking to them, you didn't say, "Hey, by the way, I know that you." We're on the same team or something as Chili Davis. And I really, he's my boyhood idol. He's the one, the top banana. None of that <laughs> happened, Zach? No, I, uh, I, um, I respected their time. And if they were willing to chat with me, I didn't try and bug them and try and pull other players out of their networks. Um, but uh, Chili Davis definitely would have been one talking worth talking to. I definitely would have loved to chat with him. Definitely my first boyhood uh, favorite ball player. But I am pretty happy with the selection of ball players I ended up talking to. Still got 109 great stories in the book. Is there an empty page for 110 that says Chili Davis and then there's nothing there? <laughs> there, there isn't uh, maybe if there's a volume two we'll, <laughs> well you could definitely do a volume two were there any uh well, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody because i'm talking like hey everybody knows what we're talking about they, they don't uh tell everybody the subject matter of of your book all right well uh, it's called called up uh, ball players remember becoming major leaguers just recently came out from McFarland Publishing, um, and 
about the book. So the book is a collection of human interest stories, first person human interest stories, uh, where the player is actually talking about their experiences um, from that perspective. There's 109 uh, first person player stories about getting called up to the major leagues and making uh, a major league debut. Um, all original interviews um, and more than capturing game details or statistics or what you could capture in a box score, I tried to capture the emotions and feelings of becoming a major league baseball player. Um, so you'll get stuff about, you know, where they were when they got that news, who told them, who were the first people they called, how did they react? Um, what was the orientation process between, you know, getting that news and walking to that major league clubhouse and taking that major league field for the first time? Um, you know, who was there at that game? Um, each each um, uh, story obviously has a similar theme, but each story is unique because they are human stories, human interest stories. Um, as I said, I had 109 stories. Uh, player debuts range from 1961 to 2018. Uh, there's one player on there, the 2018 debut, uh, still actually playing, Patrick Wisdom of the Cubs. Um, Major League service time ranges from two days to over two decades. Uh, so my criteria was, hey, do you have any Major League service time? That was pretty much it. Uh, everybody's dreamed of that, regardless of whether or not it was two days or two decades. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how the book turned out. Um, definitely feeling better about it than uh, when I had just first started it, when I was still trying to put the pieces together when we chatted, uh, what, three, four months into the project. Uh, did you leave any of these interviews on the cutting room floor, or did they all make the book? They made the book. The, uh, when all was said and done, I had interviewed 149 baseball players. Uh, about their call and experience. Um, originally, I was thinking about maybe self-publishing. Ultimately, I ended up deciding to go with McFarland, which was great. Understandably, uh, McFarland needed releases from the players, uh, make sure there was no compensation uh, promised, anything like that. Uh, went back out and uh, got releases of the players, and uh, they were wanting to be around, want me to around ninety thousand words. Even with one hundred and nine, I ended up with ninety-five thousand words. So. Still got the the book that uh, the publisher wanted, that I wanted, and uh, seems like uh, most readers are pretty happy with it as well so far. So you can actually go to Amazon right now. It's called up. Ball players mm -hmm. remember becoming major leaguers. Uh, you can get that in on paperback, and you can get it on your Kindle, which uh, I guess right. crazy kids do. Do they still do the Kindles? I don't know. That's not like brand new technology. I still like the old-fashioned paper. Uh, every once in a while, I'll read a Kindle book, but there's something about that, uh, the smell and feel of a book in your hand that I still like. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. So you said the criteria was, do you have major league experience? Okay, boom, you qualify. What was this? What What was your picking who... I guess let me let me rephrase it like this. You you have 109 interviews in the book. You interviewed 149 people. But how many feelers did you put out there? Mm -hmm. Probably twice that many. 
Well, that's not bad. Um, twice isn't I, that bad. I probably put out maybe twice. Um, I, I took a total shotgun approach. You know, just you say I just threw things up against the wall and see what stuck, who would respond. Um, and as I said, my only criteria was that they played in the major league. So if there was a Twitter account or a social Facebook account uh, of a former major league ball player um, that I was aware of, I, I, I sent him a short message and say, Hey, do you have 15 minutes? Would you like to chat? Um, so got quite a few interviews that way. Uh, also got quite a few from uh, just uh, kind of growing the network, I guess you could say. Um, some of the ball, some of the friends I have too are in organized, organized baseball um, in the executive side and kind of gave me a few contacts here, kind of grew out from there. Uh, but uh, there's really no one way that uh, I reach out to these folks. How I, it's, it's a total shotgun approach. Over the course of three years, interviewed 149, got 109 uh, releases. Um, just a matter of reaching out to people all sorts of different ways and saying, hey, do you have 15 minutes to chat? And it was a pretty focused conversation about their debuts and uh, and their call-ups. So um, we could kind of, I could kind of keep the conversations for the most part pretty focused on a short time, respecting their time. And I had a pretty good response from uh, players uh, responding and, and giving me uh, – 15, 20 minutes of the time to, to chat and be included in the book. Well, it's not the same old, same old content that these, these gentlemen have to answer the same old questions. I mean, this is a specific moment in their time. One that's very near and dear to their mm -hmm. heart that they probably, when they get to relive that moment, it's, it probably brings them such joy. They probably enjoyed uh, sharing that story with you and we're on such a high for like a week of, of just being able to relive that because they don't get to relive it as much as they'd like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I was able to collect some great stories and, uh, as I alluded to earlier, uh, for the most part, you know, I had a very good response reaching out to ball players. They were very accommodating. Um, and, uh, they love chatting about uh, that high point of their careers. Um, keep in mind, you know, I, I, um, I wasn't going after Hall of Famers or folks who are 10-time All-Stars. Um, a lot of these people were really happy to, you know, be, you know, contacted me and to, and, and to chat and be included. And I really do appreciate that. I appreciate their time. Um, but I do have quite a, quite a variety of uh, ballplayers in here from service time to uh, whether or not they were All-Stars or whether or not they just maybe appeared in a couple games. There's quite a good, quite a good mix of stories in this called up book. And I'm not going to ask you too many questions about people's stories because I want everyone to read the book. So, you know, I'm not, <laughs> uh, but I am going to ask, can you give us a couple of examples of, uh, you met a lot of people, you got to talk to a lot of people. Can you, can you maybe share one or two of the, the former major league players that you really connected with and, and really had a good a good time with it during the, during this process? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I was able to chat with some ball players that, uh, that uh, I would have considered amongst my favorites when I was a kid. Um, you know, there's, um, 
you know, uh, one of the ball players um, that that I was a big fan of when I was a kid because he was always friendly to us and whatnot was a guy, a utility player on the Giants in the late 80s, early 90s by the name of Greg Litton. Um, and he uh, was able to share his story with me. I was able to chat with him. He actually gave me about 45, 50 minutes. Um, but I was able to chat with him about his major league call up and his debut. And he had pretty, a, a pretty unique story he actually came up. He was, um, called up because Chris Spire, the longtime uh, giant shortstop, uh, was on the uh, DL and he got, he got called up just for, I think at the time, maybe about 10 days, something like that. And he gets, he, he gets to San Francisco and he's thinking he's going to have a little bit of time to check in the hotel, whatnot, uh, but not. The driver actually takes him directly to Candlestick Park. And at Candlestick Park, he's there about, uh, I don't know, uh, early afternoon, 1, 2 o'clock, something like that, for a 7 o'clock game. And, you know, he had brought everything with him from the minor leagues. And that included a uh, his golf bag. So... To be called up to the major leagues on your very first day to walk in with a golf bag, he said, eh, that's probably not the best look for me. I was hoping I could have the opportunity to drop it off at the hotel first. But he said, he said that he actually played that game. He played that game. Uh, had a, he had a decent game, uh, but he did get, he get hit. He got hit by a pitch by Greg Maddox, actually, uh, in that game. Um which is a unique kind of story because uh, Rick Russell was the pitcher for the Giants that game. And then he ended up, uh, Rick Russell, the next inning, ended up drilling somebody. And he, uh, Greg was saying, you know, it was quite a, you know, kind of interesting to have somebody who spent 15, almost 20 years in the major leagues protect you like that on your first day. So he has this day. It's kind of a challenging day. He gets in the dugout or he gets into the clubhouse afterwards and realizes that somebody on the team had taken his golf shoes out of his bag and went around to the team and had the team autograph his golf shoes. <laughs> and he said he looked at he said he looked at the tongue of the golf shoe and right there front and center was manager Roger Craig. He's like, man, they're like, I understand this joke amongst players, but did you really have to have the manager sign it for me? And that's just one of the stories. I, I referenced Greg Litton because he was one of my favorites when I was a kid. Um, but uh, there are quite a few stories like that. I mean, I was trading text messages with a guy uh, just recently, obviously about the book, uh, sending him a copy. Uh, but a guy by the name of Nick Kingham. Now, Nick Kingham uh, was a fairly high pick um, by the Pirates in 2020. He was progressing as a normal high pick would, um, you know, it's probably three, four years in. He's in double A. He's, he's probably looking at the cusp of major league time within the next year or so. But he ends up having uh, some some arm problems. He ends up having Tommy John. Um, he's out for about a year and a half, comes back, very end of the a season. Um, and then part of the next season, he ends up out for about a month and a half with an ankle injury. Finally, um, the beginning of his ninth season, 
in the Pirates organization. He gets the call that he's going to be going up to the major leagues. He has some time to prepare. He's a starting pitcher. I believe it's a Wednesday, and he's told he's going to be pitching for the Pirates that Sunday. So he has plenty of time to prepare as a as a uh, starting pitcher. Um, prepares, has all of his family there. Um, it's a cold, poorly intended Sunday afternoon debut at uh, at PNC Park. He has a large family outing. Um, Keep in mind, he had spent over nine years in the minor leagues. This is his ninth minor league season, multiple injuries. He goes out and pitches a perfect game until the seventh inning. He goes six and two-thirds of perfect baseball. To have that after you put in nine years in the minor leagues is one hell of a story. Uh, Even though I think he's only had – he retired, I want to say, last year – after some time in uh, playing pro ball in, in China, spent a couple of years in the in the major leagues. But to have that kind of experience uh, is you can't get much better than that for a debut. Uh, no, absolutely not. Jeez, uh, you brought up that he played in China. A question you might not know the answer to: What's the process of being called up in China? I have no idea. <laughs> I would imagine it would be similar. I would imagine it would be similar to like KB. I don't know. I'm just guessing, but where they could only have a certain amount of American born players or something like that. I, I guess it's just me guessing. So I don't want to make too many assumptions on your podcast, but uh, I would imagine it's definitely a different process. <laughs> it's definitely a different, different atmosphere. That's for sure. Over there. Uh Yeah. Zach, are all the major league teams represented in this book? Did you even think about that while you're while you were uh, doing your stories? I did actually, and um, the goal was definitely to make sure that all the player or all teams were represented, uh, and they were originally. Uh, when all was said and done, just by mere coincidence, when all the waivers were signed and everything was put together, I think the only teams that aren't represented currently are the uh, Diamondbacks and the Astros. But then there are obviously debut stories or other stories or of players that eventually played for those teams or players that had their debuts against those teams. But uh, players that actually had their debuts with those two teams are not represented. Well, being based Still in... Still pretty good diverse representation, though. As I'm based in Michigan, I have to, I have to ask, of course, because I'm a... I'm a pretty hardcore Detroit Tiger fan. Uh, who are the Detroit Tigers that are in mm-hmm. this book? Yeah, so let me go through here. Um, I think I, I have a handful of uh, Tigers in here. I'd have to check through just off the top of my head. I mean, one of the guys who had a, a great uh, um, – Tiger stories, a guy by the name of Casper Wells came up a few years ago. Um, I believe it came up in 2010. Um, yes, that's uh, a very familiar name. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, Kurt Knudsen as well had a, a short time uh, with the Tigers in the uh, early 90s is also represented in the book. 
I'm not familiar with so, that name. Not too necessarily household names amongst Tiger fans, but one of the things that I, I did find is that a lot of the household names, um, those stories were a little bit more well known or you know, if you're a you're a, a household name who's a a fairly high draft pick and you make your you know, your second spring training, um I mean, those stories are still good, but I found that a lot of the stories where um, the player was a little lesser known, uh, you know, had a little bit more time in the minor leagues. By uh, overall, I would say those stories are tend to be a little bit stronger uh, because they have a bit, a bit more ups and downs and more challenges and overcoming unsurmountable odds. Um so those would, uh, that's kind of what I resonated to, too, is the lesser known stories that I wanted to capture. Oh, no, those are the stories that you should have. I mean, I think those are the stories that people want to read about. No offense to the guys that that uh, were no doubters going to the majors at some point, and they're just, mm-hmm. the call was inevitable. It's the stories about the, the calls that weren't inevitable that are really what. Uh, what are going to make this this book very interesting uh let me ask you did you get the chance to interview anybody who was like a lifer in the minor league system who didn't seem to ever going to be making the major leagues and that got a call late in life because i know that happens once in a while did you have anyone like that i did um i would say one of the um but one of the stories that resonated with me uh, more than some of the others, and admittedly it's because I'm aware of this guy's story, uh, was Jaw Leach. Jaw Leach was um, a, a career minor leaguer. I want to say it was his 12th or 13th uh, minor league season when he finally got the call by the Giants. And it was interesting because at the time uh, – the Giants uh, were playing and sharing a AAA, their AAA facility at in Fresno with the college there. And the way the scheduling worked was they had an off day at the towards the end of the season, and then they had one last game. So could you imagine going into a series, playing two or three games, and then having an off day? because you have a scheduling conflict and then all of a sudden going back for the last game of the year. Um, it's just kind of, a, kind of an interesting dynamic, right? So he goes back there, he plays that last game. And afterwards, uh, you know, the, the manager calls him in and says, Hey man, you missed a sign today. And he's like, are you serious? This is like the last game of the season. Like, and then it, it didn't take long before he came clean and said, Hey, look, man, You've earned this. You put in your time. You're going to the big, big leagues tomorrow. <laughs> so he goes to the big leagues, and uh, you know he's beyond excited. He shows up before anybody else. Um, he was able to, you know, get a. He said Mike Murphy, who's the clubhouse manager, made an effort to give him a a quote real number. I think he got number eighteen, if I remember right. It was a Whatever it was, a it wasn't like a he wasn't like number seventy seven or something like that or seventy eight, right? So 
he's in there and he's, you know, he puts his uniform on and he says he's looking at himself in the mirrors like he's a kid, you know, preparing for a little league game. And Dusty Baker comes in and he's like, man, I should have known you had been prepared your first day on the job. Dusty gives him the orientation. It takes a, a you know a few games, a few days before he gets in, but he actually got a, a standing ovation for his first major league at bat because people knew the Giants fans by that time knew how much time he had put into the minor leagues, um, and you know he helped, he only had that one month in the major leagues, but as as a form you know as a Giants fan who remembers that story, that was quite touching one to to. To, to relive because to hear the behind the scenes stuff on something I was already somewhat familiar with was, was really cool. Really cool. Uh, yeah. Those guys, uh, you get your diehard fans at, at all the games and they know the minor league system and, and they know the names and every team has a guy or two that just hangs on in the minors. And when they get called up, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. So that that's pretty cool. Uh, you being a Giants fan, of course, you knew who who he was, and you you probably uh, looked out to get that story uh, as that resonated with you as a fan. Uh, Zach, before before I let you go, and thank you so much for being on the show, and everybody, this is this is Zach Ford. He's the author of a book called Called Up, uh, and you can get that on Amazon. It's the wonderful stories that we've been talking about here of uh, everybody's 109 players' stories of when they got the call to to go to the the major leagues. And uh, it's what everybody who's listening to this, don't kid yourself. This is exactly what you want out of your baseball life is this book. Don't even say, eh, no. (laughs) This, if you're a baseball fan that you say you are and you're listening to this, you are a baseball fan. This is exactly what you want. So don't ask your wife for this for Christmas. Just buy it. Just don't, don't even take a chance on it. Why? Why? Uh, just, just buy it. But Zach, as uh, since we did talk uh, three and a half years ago, I have, or two and a half, I don't know. I get mixed up on the numbers. It seems like it would be time. It all blends together. Three and a half years. I noticed something that (laughs) you're a stand-up comedian. Uh, You know, you're, you're out there doing shows and going through the process of writing jokes, performing the jokes, perfecting the jokes. Uh, What's harder writing comedy or writing a book? Comedy by far. And it's not even close um, because you're you're um, you're having to craft those words in a way which will hit and be a bit of a shocker in a humorous way, as opposed to when you're writing baseball, things are a little bit more straightforward. You always try and do a misdirect in comedy and comedy. I'm just uh, I, I don't want your listeners to think that I'm doing that, you know, on a, on a serious level, I'm just a, a 45-year-old who had a little bit of a midlife crisis entering my <laughs> 40s. I wanted to make sure that I did a couple of things I wanted to do in my life, and that's put together a book and uh, try stand-up comedy. And over the last few years, I've been able to accomplish both. 
So I don't know what will happen the next 40 so years, but uh, I'll have to find something else. Well, it's fantastic that you're, you're trying, you're doing the things you're marking them off your bucket list. Uh, let me ask you this. Have you wrote a joke that you perform in a comedy club night in night out? You're perfecting, you're rewording it. Like you're molding it like a small child. And then you've got it to the point where you're like, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's how I got to say it. That's how it's got to come out. This joke is done. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you perform that joke, it bombs. And you have to do the process. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. You, you build up, you get a bunch of confidence and all of a sudden you, you throw one out there and you think it's going to, you think it's going to land hard and it's crickets. <laughs> it's so, got to be difficult. Cause it's a, I have a, it's a different crowd every night. It's different people. You, it is different. Yeah. But it's fun. I mean, it's just, it was one of those things, uh, and I'll still do it occasionally. Um, but, um, one of those things I wanted to try and, you know, I have a, I became, you know, I'm established enough to where I have a little bit of, of flexibility with my work and I got two kids that are, you know, pretty, you know, independent. So I have some free time. So. I was able to revisit some hobbies that had been, you know, on the on the back burner for twenty plus years. That is awesome. Uh, <clears throat> before I let you go, one thing that I do have next to my laptop here are a bunch of packs of baseball cards, older baseball cards. You said names in some of your stories that really that really tickled me. Uh, Greg Maddox and Rick Ruschel. That's right, and that's right in my. My yeah. swing zone. That's my hot spot right there. So I'm going to open up. Yeah. So I was looking through these old, the, these are all like late eighties, nineties, uh, baseball cards. Right. Uh-huh. So, so I was looking through all of them. I have like five or six here. I have a lot more in a box, but just here. And this one pack, 1988 Dunruss is the one that all right. is the one I went with because because the card on the top was Chili Davis. Okay. So, <laughs> so I'm going to ask you about My some of the uh, baseball hero. Uh, uh, how well do you think you know Chili Davis? Like, uh, where was Chili Davis born? Oh, gosh, man. I'm going to teach uh, you. Keep in mind. <laughs> You, you may be teaching me about Chili more about Chili Davis than uh, than I already know. And keep in mind, so Chili Davis, as a young baseball fan in the '80s, uh, just starting to learn about baseball and learn about the Giants. Before 1986, the Giants didn't really have many highlights, <laughs> so Chili Davis kind of stood out. He was their star, right? And and I would be lying to you if I told you that his name did not influence my decision for oh. selecting him well, as my sure. favorite. Sure. I can see that. As a, <laughs> so a six, seven-year-old boy, I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool name. I'm going to go with Chili Davis. I like that guy. And then by the time 
I really got into baseball. Um, he had already actually even left the Giants. Uh, but most of my Chili Davis Giants memories uh, were, you know, at the very beginning when I was just starting to learn the game. So if you, if you were to ask me specific details about his career, I would be telling you them through the eyes of about a seven-year-old boy. <laughs> well, he was born but, in yeah, Jam- I do know he's, I do know he's Jamaican, though. I do know he's a Jamaican guy. Okay, yes, he was born in Kingston, Jamaica. Uh, yeah, his walk to strikeout ratio was better than I expected. I'll say that looking at the back of the card. <laughs> Uh, I come across another yeah. San Francisco giant here, uh, Will Clark. Uh, do, have you listened to Will Clark's podcast? Yeah, Will Clark and Eric Burns. Yeah, every once in a while, come up. It's a it's an entertaining one. It's been uh, it's been enjoyable. Will Clark actually, I referenced Will Clark in the book. Um, he's actually in the first paragraph of my introduction. Uh, because I reference how, um, you know, all of us, you know, pretended or, or dreamed of becoming a major league baseball player when, when, uh, when we were kids, but, you know, I, I write about, you know, how, how most boys may pretend to be Superman flying through Metropolis. I pretended to be Will Clark hitting home runs at Candlestick Park. <laughs> and uh so yeah so will clark definitely resonates with me he has a um uh you know definitely a soft spot for me during my early giants uh following years um but and never i never was able to take a swing at candlestick park i don't think they allowed 200 hitters to go much more beyond uh little league if you're hitting 200 in little league like i was uh, you better uh, pick up some riding or something my first, this is i uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share my my big story, my little league story. My first little league base hit was off a gentleman who would go on to be a reliever in the minor league San Francisco Giants organization. I don't remember if he got called up. His name was Mike Volano. Huh? Mike Volano was his name, and. Uh, he threw it hard, and I, I only played one year in Little League, and I closed my eyes and swung and popped out, popped up over the first baseman's head. Now, if the first baseman would have took three steps back to get that pop-up, that would have been an out. But instead, his instincts told him <laughs> to cover first base. So, therefore, the ball falls in, and my first Little League hit was off of Mike Volano, who went on to... I'm on a Google it. Did he make it? I don't know if he made it to the majors. He didn't. If he did, it was, it wasn't for very long. But. Mike Volano. I'm shown here. Drafted by the giants, 25th round of the 1994 draft. Yep. It looks like he had spent eight different. He got up to triple a. It looks like I'm on baseball reference right now. Got up to AAA, but didn't uh, didn't get the call up with the Giants. It's probably because of that hit he gave up. Yeah, he's like, hey man, if I'm giving up the, <laughs> that, that hit to this roller out the barrel guy in Little League, uh, nah, I don't know. 
That kid <laughs> hit it off of him with his eyes closed. How good could he be? <laughs> it looks like he actually, you know, looking at his stats, uh, it was kind of hit or miss, but he had some good spots there early on in his uh, in his uh, in his minor league career. Does it Shoot, say- California League, nineteen ninety six, seven and one? He had a point seven two ERA. Uh, that's that's pretty good, regardless of, w- of where you're playing. Point seven two ERA. Yeah, I think uh, doesn't have it listed. I believe he was just a middle reliever, so I don't think he was a starter for those for that uh, ERA and those wins and losses. Primarily a middle reliever. It looks like he did have some starts there, but uh, hey, you can't not too shabby. You can't start with the kind of gas he was trying to throw. (laughs) Oh my God, Mike Villano! What a what a callback into my history. Wow, that that's uh, that's crazy. And uh, and we have been talking with Zach Ford, author of Called Up, Ball Players Remember Becoming Major Leaguers. It's a book all baseball fans would really enjoy. I I just it's the stories you said it early on in the interview. They're human interest stories. And God, that's what you get out of baseball more than any other sport. You really do. You make that connection with the players. Uh, that you don't have in the other sports. I don't care what anybody says. Maybe hockey a little bit. I'll give it to hockey second place. <laughs> but, uh, man, these are the stories everybody wants to hear. I mean, this. let's face it. When somebody new comes into a major league game, the camera goes right to the family members. And when that person does something yep. like, even if it's just a walk, they get a walk or a hit or whatever, <laughs> Uh, they want boom right on the family to get to get the emotion of that moment and everything. So uh, really, you're really hitting the point of the emotion of readers. I really expect your book to do uh, very well, and uh, I'll be sending you messages after I after uh, I read some of the excerpts and. Uh, and we'll be now that I have your phone number, you'll never get rid of me. <laughs> but uh, give me a text, give me a call anytime. I look forward to reading this and uh, chatting, chatting, ch- chatting about all these uh, these 109 people that you got in the book. And uh, is there going to be a part two, or is that undetermined, or is this a one shot deal? I think it's undetermined. I wouldn't write off the idea. Um, I would definitely say that um, I would probably be more leaning towards uh, a different project for my for my next book. But um, um, anything that would follow uh, would probably be along a similar lines of trying to capture unique emotional baseball stories uh, from the uh, from the player's perspective where you could capture um, those emotions, those, those feelings that uh, you or I, as, uh, you know, little leaguers we dreamed of, but obviously we never had our dreams come to fruition like these guys. So um, I'm, uh, like I said before, I'm happy with how things turned out. I think we, uh, I think I was able to, you know, capture the feelings and emotions of these stories 
And uh, that was what I was interested in more than more than game details, more than uh, more than anything else is is how they felt, how what kind of orientation process they went through. Um, and uh, I, I'm very blessed that I was able to talk to so many ball players that were able to share that special moment with me. Well, and thanks for coming on this show and sharing it with us. We appreciate you keeping your promise to us. And uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. Make sure you get out there and uh, buy that book. And uh, how are we looking for 2024 for those San Francisco Giants, Zach? Oh, man, I wanted to end on a high note. <laughs> Is it that bad? <laughs> it can't be that bad. Were they not in the wild card hunt for a little while this year? Uh, they were for a while. I, 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 um, I think they have their work cut out for them, but uh, I do think they're going to be an improved team uh, than they were last year, uh, beyond where they were last year. But I do think that they probably have multiple years before they can be the championship team like they were a decade ago. Yeah, I, I feel the same here in Detroit. Uh, even though we weren't a championship team a decade ago. Thanks, Zach. Uh, we, <laughs> 1980. Yeah, thanks to us. Huh. Yes. Thanks to us. Yes. Thanks huh. to you and the Cardinals. Uh, you know. And this was not intended for your – I have to tell you, though, Matt, before you, before you wrap it up with me, is I went to game one of the 2012 World Series and saw Pablo hit three jacks. Uh, and, uh, you know, going into that series and facing Verlander in game one, I, I, I was thinking that uh, I, I wasn't uh, overly optimistic, but uh, the Giants, they, they came through. Um, Kung, sorry. Kung sorry Fu about Panda. the Tigers in the process, but uh, it made me happy for a while. Well, there's a, everybody loses except one team, so – uh, it would have been nice. We had some good teams, uh, in that stretch of the, the late two thousands and to not yeah. come away with the world series is uh very disappointing, much like the Braves when they won one, when they had that team and that pitching staff for all those years and, and they could come away with one world series, that same kind of disappointment without a ring. Oh, well. Now that the Twins have won a playoff I, game, we're at. Probably, I, shouldn't, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say this as a Giants fan, but I am a very honest fan. I'm not a blindly optimistic fan. I am more surprised the Detroit Tigers did not win a World Series during that time than I am that the Giants won three World Series. Yeah, so. thanks, Zach. It, I. If that is any consolation prize, <laughs> even this Giants fan, this Giants fan thought pretty highly of those Detroit Tigers teams back then, and was shocked when uh, the Giants were victorious over one of those great Tiger teams. <laughs> well, not the high note I was looking for to end on here, Zach, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, the I apologize. Let's. Let's yeah. talk. Let's say bad stuff about the Giants. No, I don't have anything bad to say about the Giants. I mean, you got a great ballpark. I mean, you go out there on that kayak and in, in right field and go after home runs. Probably not this year because 
you didn't seem too enthused about the season they had. You probably didn't even go out there this year, did you, Zach? Uh, I went out quite a few times during the pandemic season and only a few times since. Okay. Um, oh, because they weren't letting people in. And you were like, well, <laughs> I'll show you. My little transistor radio on a kayak out there in uh, McCovey Cove. But uh, once I was able to get inside the ballpark, that's definitely my uh, preference. Absolutely. And uh, I look forward to coming out to San Francisco. I'm, I'm in the middle of talking my wife into doing that thing where you go to every baseball park across the country. So Alcatraz and the Giants are on my list. Uh, absolutely. All right. Uh, Zach, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, I, I really look forward to the book, and uh, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much, Matt. I really appreciate you having me on again, and I'm uh, happy to join you anytime. Thanks for that. We'll see everybody uh, next week. Bye.